Now, the title of the sermon this morning is, Who is the Holy Spirit? A very simple title, Who is the Holy Spirit? And you can turn so long to the passage that is indicated on the screen. Now, in terms of this, uh, this is a foundational message. It is. More of a teaching-based message. And it is important that we get the foundations right before building further. I'm sure you'd agree with that. And so my prayer is, Lord, would you please help us establish the right foundations as we build further in this year as a local body. And let's begin with the scripture passage from John 14. We're going to get there in a moment's time. But uh, in terms of the scripture passage, this is when Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit who was to come. Very important verses, and I would say these are crucial verses. Perhaps they are the most important verses in the entire Bible that refer to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we should take special note. And they are found in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. And so I have just on the screen, I've taken out of chapter 14, 15, 16, the crucial verses that specifically refer to the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to look at now. And so here is Jesus teaching about the Spirit. But let me just say something of a context basis here. You see, Jesus was explaining to his disciples that he was about to leave. Now, you might not realize, but that was traumatic for them. They became sad. They became troubled. Why? Because they had spent the last few years of their life with Jesus, the Son of God. It was too amazing for words. The things that they had experienced as they saw Jesus in operation, Jesus healing, Jesus teaching, Jesus walking on the water, Jesus feeding the 5,000. But you know what? I believe that one of the things that impacted them most was that they saw the love of Jesus. They saw how he loved them. And now he's saying, listen, I'm going to be going away. They were probably really sad. If you and I were in that situation, we would have been too. But now Jesus begins to talk and give them hope because even though he's going away, the Spirit of God is going to become the reality in their lives. John 14, verse 16 to 18, and verse 25 to 26. Jesus is speaking. He said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jump down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. 
Now let's go on to chapter 15. There's just one verse there, particularly referencing the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. He testifies. He makes Jesus such a reality. Now, on to the last chapter, John 16 now, and verse 5 to 15. It says, Jesus speaking, Now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks, Where are you going? Because I have sent these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You're so sad because I'm going. Now look at this. Nevertheless, in verse 7, I tell you the truth that it is to your advantage. Would you say advantage? advantage? That I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So we see it's both the Father that sent the Spirit and Jesus that sent the Spirit. Verse 8, and when he, the Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the, uh, that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What a beautiful passage of scripture about the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless the reading of his word, amen? amen? And once again, I would submit to you that these are some of the most important scriptures. So if you want to get to know the Holy Spirit more this year, I would suggest that these scriptures, you treat them as very special. So our theme for 2020 is the Holy Spirit, and we are truly excited. I'm not just saying I'm excited. I have an excitement within my spirit as we are going to delve deeper into the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. However, folks, we do need to keep something in mind, that in a church congregation like ours, there are different levels of understanding con concerning the Holy Spirit with different people. There are some people under the sound of my voice that you already walk in the Spirit most wonderfully and powerfully and you operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You have a tremendous relationship with the Spirit of God and that's wonderful. There are, however, some people listening to me today, and I would venture to say that some of them don't even fully understand that there is a Holy Spirit. And so we need to be patient with one another, and we need to start right from the beginning. We need to lay the right foundation, and then we can grow happily together. And this message is about laying the right foundation. There are three things I'd like to share with you today. Number one, 
the importance of the Holy Spirit. Say it aloud with me, please. The importance of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the Holy Spirit as important? Now, I'd like to start off making something of a radical statement, and it's this. I believe that for the vast part of church history, the Holy Spirit has not been given the attention that He deserves. If you are to look through church history, you will discover that. He hasn't been given the attention, the recognition, the honor that He deserves, and that is very sad that that is the case. Thomas Goodwin, he's a man who lived in the 1800s. He was, sorry, the 1600s. He was a great Puritan writer, and he was concerned that the Holy Spirit wasn't featuring in his day and age, and this is what he wrote. Most Christians in this day and age do not give the Holy Spirit the glory due him. Some hardly even mention him. It's almost as if the Spirit has been forgotten. Can you believe that? Do you know that in the 1800s, many Christians were openly denying that the Holy Spirit was a real person and that He was God, and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit was almost completely annoyed, uh, sorry, annoyed, um, ignored, shall I say. And this is for a period in the 1800s. So I referred to the 1600s, I've referred to the 1800s, and this has been a trend. Throughout church history, there have been many groupings that have chosen to not give any focus to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They have chosen to see it as trivial, as unimportant. What a shame, what a shame. But I believe, folks, that there is an awakening taking place in our lifetime, in this day and age, concerning the things of the Spirit. Come on, can somebody get a little bit excited? There is an awakening concerning the, the Spirit of God, absolutely. There is an awakening. There is an awakening to the powerful reality of the Holy Spirit. And people are beginning to realize the tremendous importance of the Holy Spirit. And I love what Dr. Miles Monroe used to say. He used to say the Holy Spirit is the most important person on earth. Isn't that beautiful? Now, before we get into the second point, I just want to mention to you that the term that is applied to the third person of the Trinity, uh, the word is spirit. When we talk about uh, the Holy Spirit, the word is spirit that features in the Old Testament, it features in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, spirit of God was used a lot, or uh, spirit of the Lord, etc. Um, only two times, I believe it is in the Old Testament, that Holy Spirit is actually used. One of them is in, I think it's Psalm 51, where uh, David says, you know, create me a clean heart, take not your Holy Spirit from me. So in the Old Testament, there was a lot of referral to just Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord. Um, and in the New Testament, the emphasis is much more on using Holy Spirit as the way in which we speak about the Spirit of God. Now, in terms of... Uh, this term that is applied, spirit, there's a Hebrew word that gets used in the Old Testament and a Greek one in the New Testament 
The Hebrew word referring to spirit is ruach. Would you please say that? Ruach. So this Hebrew word means breath. And in Genesis 1 verse 2 is an example of this word. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, the Spirit of God means it is the Ruach of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Ruach, the Spirit, the breath of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then going over into the New Testament, which is Greek, is the focus there. The Greek word referring to the Spirit is pneuma. It also means breath, means the same as ruach. Pneuma means breath. In Acts 1 verse 8 we see, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Pneuma, the Holy Breath has come upon you. And so that's just to give a bit of a context about the term that is applied or the name associated with the Holy Spirit and where it comes from. Now, point number two. Number two the person of the Holy Spirit. Won't you say that out aloud with me? The person of the Holy Spirit. In other words, He is a real person. He's a real person. The Holy Spirit is not just a power. He is not just an influence. Although He is all-powerful, He is a person. It's important to realize that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. And let me tell you this, that you cannot have a relationship with an it, not at all. But you can have relationship with a real person. You most certainly can. And simply put, what is a person? A person is a being with a personality. And part of what is included in a person is mind, will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a mind. In other words, he has thoughts. He has a will. In other words, he makes decisions. He has emotions. In other words, he has feelings. And I was just wondering, how did the Holy Spirit feel about the time of worship earlier here today? Did he perhaps feel unwelcome or did he feel drawn to us because he has feelings and I believe that the Holy Spirit was drawn in the time of worship. Amen. But he has feelings. He is a person. He has a personality. Now, in my study at home, I have a chair. This is a chair that I enjoy sitting on and I got a little, little sort of footstool. I pop my feet up and uh, oftentimes I'm working at my desk doing preparation, but then sometimes I just go sit on this nice, comfortable chair that looks out the window, and it's just lucky to sit there, you know? And if I've got a cup of coffee handy, that's also pretty good as well. And so this is a chair that had been in my dad's study for many years, and a few years ago I recovered it, uh, uh, reupholstered it, and it's been in my study since, and I enjoy this chair. I really like it. I enjoy sitting on it. I like it. I wouldn't say I love it, but I like it a lot. But you know what? It doesn't like me back. It doesn't like me in return. Why? Because I can't have a relationship with it. It is an object. It is a thing. It is it. 
And so you cannot have a relationship with an it because it's not a person. You know, you can only have a relationship with a person. And this is very important that we understand and appreciate this. And by the way, just in terms of not having a relationship with an it, with a thing, can I remind all you tech-savvy people that you actually cannot have a relationship with Siri? <laughs> Even though she talks to you, she ain't a she. She's a machine. She's a virtual assistant. You can't have a relationship with Siri or Alexa. At the end of the day, you're still talking to a machine, my friend. Wake up and smell the roses. But you can't have a relationship with a real person. Now, let me say this. This is very important. It will appear on the screen. If you don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, you will never develop a personal relationship with Him. That's why we're talking about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. If you don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, you will never develop a personal relationship with Him. Because some people do not see Him as a person. How will they ever go on to have a beautiful personal relationship with the Spirit of God? He is a person. We have to realize this. And so I want to encourage you, child of God, would you see him as a person? Wow. See him as a person and develop a close relationship with him. Now, in Scripture, there is an interesting um, use of grammar that shows to us that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because I'm wanting to give a few uh, concrete ways of assuring you of his personhood. Because I believe this is foundation. And so we find this in our text today, which is John 16, verse 13. Jesus says, when he, please say the word he. he. When he, the spirit of truth is come, has come. I find that interesting. We'll read it more fully just now. It says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. I would suggest to you that there's a lot more in what is being said there than meets the eye. Notice that word he. It is a pronoun. It is a masculine pronoun, he. And do you know that in the Greek language, the word spirit, which is pneuma, is neuter. In other words, it's neither masculine nor feminine. And the result is that the laws of language in the Greek language and the laws of language even beyond that require that the pronoun it should be used when referring to spirit. Listen to that. The pronoun it should be used when referring to spirit. But here, Jesus could not do that. Because he was introducing to you and I the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why he said when he, the Spirit, he couldn't possibly say it because that is a thing. So he was saying when he, because he's introducing to you the third person of the Trinity. Isn't that wonderful? And so actually what did Jesus do? He broke the rules of grammar, our earthly rules. Because there's a higher set of rules that establishes the Spirit as a person. But let's look at it. John 16, verse 13. Look at all those underlined words as we read together. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Uh, that's quite a bunch of he's <laughs> in one verse of scripture. Basically, seven times there, the masculine pronoun appears. So what does this teach us? It teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a person. Yet another proof that he is a person and that we need to see him as a person. But praise the Lord that he is a person. Throughout church history, there have been many false movements that have tried to undermine the personhood of the Spirit. And they would teach that the Spirit is just a force, an impersonal force. I'm here today to tell you that they were wrong and that the Spirit of God is a person and you can know him personally. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> Wonderful. And so it's so important that we appreciate this. And because he is a person, we don't refer to him by saying it. And I do notice with concern that even in the modern day church, I hear Christians here and there saying it, the Holy Spirit. Even sometimes within our own congregation, I've heard people saying it. And you know what? That just shows that they don't truly understand and appreciate the personhood of the Spirit of God. And those people say things like, you know, the Holy Spirit, it's like a wind. Or they say, yeah, we need more of it in our lives. Uh, they say, wow, wasn't church great today? The Holy Spirit, it really moved. And that shows that something's wrong. The understanding of the personhood has not yet come. And so, folks, there are some people here that are going to begin to need to change their language because the language of the kingdom refers to the spirit as he. He is a real person. And I want to say to you, child of God, that this real person, the Holy Spirit that we're talking about, he is a wonderful person. He is a sensitive person. He is a beautiful person. He's a compassionate person. He is a loving person. And he wants to reveal himself to you. That you would know him truly as a person. That you would know him truly as a friend. And I pray for every one of us that the Spirit of God would become more of a reality to us than ever before. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Good. The last point, number three, the deity of the Holy Spirit. Say this out loud. The deity of the Holy Spirit simply means that, in other words, He is God. He is God. So we've spoken about Him being important. We've spoken about him being a person. Now we're talking about him being God, the deity of the Holy Spirit. You see, it is important that we view the Holy Spirit as God, else we will never give him his rightful place. We will treat him in a lesser way. And I also believe that this is a strategy of the devil to try to undermine the deity of the Spirit of God. But I want to tell you, let us be a people of God that we will acknowledge and honor His deity. Amen. Now, something that we need to touch on when we're talking about the deity of the Holy Spirit is also just briefly the Trinity, okay? 
Can I remind you that God is a Trinity? Please say the word Trinity. Trinity. Say it a bit louder. God is a Trinity. He is one God existing in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there's a hymn, it's a very old one, it's called Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. And this hymn, Holy, 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 says it so well, it has this phrase, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Don't you like that phrase? I mean, right there, you understand it. Okay, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. But have you ever wondered why in Revelation it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come? Twice in Scripture, I believe it is in Isaiah and also in Revelation, there is this repeat, holy, holy, holy. It's beautiful. Here the living creatures in Revelation are bowing down and they are worshiping and they are declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But why is it repeated three times? Why holy, holy, holy? Well, one of the reasons is because the Lord is infinitely holy. He's extremely holy. He's exceptionally holy. He is supremely holy. But I believe that there is another reason as well why it is repeated three times. It is to acknowledge each member of the Trinity as holy. Holy Father, Holy Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy, Holy, Holy. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. We acknowledge Him. Oh, God in three persons, and now we just acknowledge you, Holy Father. We acknowledge you, Holy Jesus. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. It is so wonderful. Now, concerning the Trinity, uh, in our text today, we see a situation where Jesus says he will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and that is three persons right there, the Trinity. Yeah, you have Jesus, one person of the Trinity. He's saying, I'm going to pray to the Father, the other person of the Trinity. And I'm going to ask him that he will send the Holy Spirit, another person of the Trinity. We see the Trinity working together. One other example of the Trinity is that at Jesus' baptism, you saw the Trinity in operation all at the same time. Because what happened? God the Son is busy being baptized. At the same time, God the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And at the same time, God the Father, with a voice from heaven, affirms, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I want to tell you, God is a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And can you imagine that moment when you saw the Trinity in full operation together? It must have been glorious. All three in the Trinity working together. Now... What is the Spirit's position within the Trinity? He is a full and an equal member of the Godhead. He is the third person of the Trinity, and He is God. Now, what scripture can we take a look at to confirm, just another scripture, to confirm that the Holy Spirit is God? Well, bottom line is there are many scriptures that you can look at. But there's a beautiful one that we find in Acts. And if you want to look at it in your Bible, it's Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. 
It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So, Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to look at that phrase, lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the, of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Wow. The fear of God was upon that church community, I tell you what. Well, to lie to the Holy Spirit is to lie to God because the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? And so that's why we must be very careful how we treat the Holy Spirit. And if we truly believe what the Bible says about the Spirit, then we will believe that the Holy Spirit is God. Just to endorse that a little bit further, that we can also know that the Holy Spirit is God because there are certain characteristics through many scriptures that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. They are omnipotence, omniscience, what's the other one I'm looking for, um, and omnipresence, and eternality. So these are things that don't belong to human beings. These are things that belong to God. What is omnipresence? It means that God is present everywhere at the same time. This is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Also, and the other persons of the Godhead, omniscience means all-knowing. The Holy Spirit knows everything. Omnipotence means that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful and eternality, yes, He was and is and is to come. And so these are characteristics that tell us yet again that the Holy Spirit is God. Can you say amen? amen? And so the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, one of His things that He will do is, listen, He's going to reveal Jesus to you. Now this is interesting because this can only be possible if the Spirit is God. Because let me tell you, child of God, it takes God to reveal God. And that's why the Spirit of God, He is God, and He can reveal God. Because if the Spirit is not truly God, how can He reveal Jesus to us? I'm heading for a close in these last few minutes. I want to talk a little bit about some of the churches and denominations that we know in our country and also globally. Do you know that there are some churches, some denominations that have really avoided the subject of the Holy Spirit in our nation, in our country? I think what a sad thing. Because I think back to my dad, how he wasn't initially open to the Holy Spirit back in about 1966, and then he received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and his dead little church began to grow and thrive because the Holy Spirit became a reality. And I'm thinking there are churches in this nation who are dead because they have not opened to the reality of the Spirit of God. Come on. And so some churches have avoided the subject. They've taught on many other things, but they have avoided the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. They have avoided, for sure, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They have avoided certain chapters in Acts. They don't want to go there. They have avoided teaching on the deity of the Holy Spirit 
But here's the thing. If you grew up in one of those churches, you may have been affected by their opinion and by their perspective, which was not a biblical one. But the result could be, the sad result could be that you don't see the Holy Spirit fully as God. This is one of the reasons why I'm preaching on this today, because I felt stirred in my spirit that there are some people that still don't see the Holy Spirit fully as God. Some people might see him as a a lower spiritual being or a second class member of the Trinity, but I want to tell you that is not the case, that he is God, that the Holy Spirit is the Almighty God. You You can clap hands a little louder after that. And so, my challenge to you today, because I believe people could have been affected by that perspective, my challenge to you today is let that perspective change. And I want to encourage you, child of God, would you give the Holy Spirit His rightful place? It might be that today is the very first day that you will ever give the Holy Spirit rightful place And if so, wonderful, give him his rightful place and see him as God. These things are very important if we are going to journey deeper into the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit this year. These foundations are very important. I've said essentially three things today. Number one, we've spoken about the importance of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we've spoken about the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a real person. And the deity of the Holy Spirit, he is God. And we want to give him his rightful place. Why don't you say this out aloud after me? The Holy Spirit Spirit is God. God. I believe it. I I give to him his rightful place in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a hand of praise and say hallelujah. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We honor you. Would you please stand with me as we pray together? Let's allow this motion, a moment of devotional prayer. Dear Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you, Lord, that we can believe and trust that your word is really finding that fertile soil. And Lord, as I look across these people, I see people who are going to be shaken by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I prophesy, tongues of fire will begin to manifest on you in Jesus' name. I prophesy that God's going to do such a great work that you would not believe it, that you, though you were told. I prophesy that God is opening up hearts that were closed to the things of the Spirit. He is at this point in time, he's opening up those hearts. I prophesy that those that have battled to speak in tongues for years, you will get your breakthrough in Jesus' name. I prophesy that people will come into the fullness of the Spirit of God and they will never be the same again. So Lord, we say, come and have your way in my heart, in John Rabbit's heart. Come in each person's heart, each member's heart, come and have your way corporately in us as a congregation we say come holy spirit come and have your way lord we cry out to you we're hungry for you we're desperate for your presence and we thank you lord that if we seek after you you will reveal yourself to us
Now bless your people now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this time together in the matchless name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen.